Hi, and welcome to the August Forum. I'm your host, Andrew, and I'll be sharing the stories of fashion industry professionals, creatives, and entrepreneurs about their journeys and experiences as they advance within this ever-growing industry. The August Forum, as an extension of the shop itself, allows you to have the ability to listen to those in the space. So whether you're an aspiring entrepreneur, tired of breaking the fashion industry, or just curious about the ins and outs, we hope these stories will help you to achieve your goals. In this episode, I have the privilege of having this conversation with Morgan Miller, owner of Rewind Decor, a vintage furniture shop that acts as a beacon of experience and appreciation of art. From his journey of sailing to Nicaragua, to dropping everything and coming back to Madison, we learn more about Morgan and his eclectic journey. During my conversation with Morgan, we not only touched on his shop and his profession, but his journey and the way he approaches life, and his perspective of appreciating what's around you. We gain his insight into the art space and how to be unique in a saturated environment and an industry. From his unbelievable anecdotes to his takes and perspectives, this conversation was genuinely enthralling, and I believe you will find it equally engaging. This is the August Forum. All right, and for today's episode here, I am joined by Morgan Miller. Morgan, how are you doing today? Damn good. How are you, Andrew? I'm doing good. I'm so excited for this one. I think if people in the Madison community know about Rewind, know about your work, but I have the opportunity to be able to talk to you as a person, which I'm really excited about. But first, more or less, do you want to introduce the people, who you are and uh, what you do? Yeah, my name's Morgan. I'm uh, originally from Madison, skipped around for a while and back, decided to open a little experiment called Rewind. An experiment? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's like an interesting way to put it. I feel like most people, when they talk about kind of like their adventures or, you know, any business they might own, they don't really put it, an experiment to the title. Any reason that you put that there? Yeah, I think I've had enough life lessons where I just realize I never really want to be mm. stuck in a box. Right, right. I don't want to enter something and feel confined by mm. it. So I like to experiment with it. I like to try new things as I go along. And I'm sure any like business advisor would tell me <laughs> I'm doing it horribly wrong. But, you know, that's the fun of it is I'm not really doing it for the right. business aspect. It's just, uh, for me, a creative outlet that I hope other creatives in mm -hmm. Madison can participate in and play with. And, right. You know. I think one thing I put, like, when I was doing research on you, when I was writing this outline, a term that kind of popped into my head was, like, dignifying you as, like, almost like a globetrotter. You know, mm -hmm. you've been around a lot. You've done so many different things. And, you know, you really explored and allowed yourself to have these outlets. Is that something that you kind of agree with? Or if there's one word to describe Morgan Miller, what would it be? Yeah, I would think those experiences definitely form the way I look at the world mm -hmm. through that lens. Like, And a lot of that had nothing to do with really me. It was just being put in those situations and learning and observing. And it created such a fascination with people's individual stories mm -hmm. because just by process of going through those things, I learned so much about individuals that, you know, maybe labels or our shells mm. that we fall into these trappings of like, that's what these people are going to be about. Right. And that's really boring to me where the individual story, like that 
story that that person's only seen through their eyes is mm-hmm. just so interesting to me. Right. So I've been just really blessed and it wasn't always easy, you know, <laughs> but being put into a lot of different places around the world right. and those influences on me, those cultures. Mm-hmm. So it makes me a little schizophrenic because <laughs> I have like little things I love from specific parts of the world right. that, you know, I pull from and mix in with like the mm-hmm. stew that I'm I'm creating. And so, I mean, there's foundational things that are there that I, you know. Right, like your greens inside a stew. You yeah. need your potatoes always yep. in there. So that's always your base. So yep. you have your own as well. Exactly. And so, yeah, I don't know if I answered that question, but I think moving around a lot. Yeah. Definitely, you see that in Rewind, I mm-hmm. think, or I hope. <laughs> yeah. Well, we're going to get into your own individual story, something that you kind of mentioned here. But again, at the end of the day, we're a fashion culture podcast. So every question needs to be asked, like, what have you been wearing recently? What is, mm-hmm. I think a term that I use a lot is with my guests is your uniform. What yeah. is your day-to-day uniform looking like? And then, of course, like, what music are you been listening to? You know, mm-hmm. I'd love to know what your eclectic tastes entails well the music is definitely eclectic i mean it oh my gosh i won't even know where to begin um i mean i'm just i've been collecting vinyl for mm-hmm. 20 years now wow. and so it's like how big is the collection thousands <laughs> you know so like once again i think from the travels around the world i've been exposed to so many different musicians mm-hmm. and ideas and and so my music is all over the board but lately I'm into, I mean, if I was throwing out like a few album suggestions, you know, there's some Cambodian rock from the mm-hmm. 60s that I'm really into. Donald Byrd, he was kind of a jazz purist. He was a, he played the trumpet, but he was the first to kind of enter the funk world right. as a jazz purist. Right. And a lot of, even the purists back then, those jazz musicians kind of <laughs> were giving him a little bit of crap for entering the funk world. But (laughs) one of the best albums, I think, from that is Spaces and Places. Mm -hmm. If if people have a chance to check that out, I think any, if you're a DJ, that's an album you definitely want to know about if you don't already. There's so many great things to pull from uh, Spaces and Places. Kino is a a band, uh, Soviet rock from the early 80s. That's a really great album uh, spelled k-i-n-o but yeah soviet rock from the early 80s and a fun summer album that kind of returns to some of my roots that i think is one i've got on repeat lately is i've kind of revisited is uh king yellowman mm. it's an album by yellowman mm-hmm. and just a super fun album right i'm trying to like you know sometimes you get caught up in your art of taking things too serious <laughs> and i just want to have like some fun lately right. and so that's a really fun just summer album for sure yeah, in terms of fashion, I lately have moved towards things that I don't mind getting torn up and like ripped and dirty. <laughs> exactly. I mean, you should really tell the the audience like what I'm wearing. Though. Yeah, honestly, let me paint the picture of when Morgan steps out of his car. He's paying for the meter, which is really lovely of you. I see just a guy come in, white Adidas, denim. Denim on the bottom, denim on top, and under that is a Hawaiian shirt with a trucker hat. And I'm like, I, at least I know that's Morgan Miller. I like knew right away who you were. There could have been a million people around you, and I'd still been like, that's you. Right. <laughs> that's pretty cool. Yeah, I think with the way the parts of this job has required me, I get in some dirty places. Right. So, you know, besides the white shoes, which I don't care too much about, I've noticed 
you know, I've had really nice things that just get destroyed. Right. Rips. I'm in crevices. I'm in things that haven't <laughs> seen, you know, a human in 20 years. And so I try to work a wardrobe where I don't care if I just get grimy and dirty. Right. And, but I still have some, you know, personality <laughs> with it. So. So is that what you're wearing day to day? Where it's like, you know, if you need to go anywhere and you need to dig, like, that it's going to be okay that you get these things like pretty roughened up? Yeah. I mean, I came out of a 15-year career in the art world where it was a lot of suits and ties, except for maybe the gallery in Barcelona. You know, I was dealing with individuals that, Mm -hmm. you know, the 88th richest person in the world. And, and, you know, it was was about, you know, wearing the nice suit and Mm -hmm. looking sharp. And But this is just chaos. Right. This rewind thing is chaos. So I'll get a lead. I'm really at the mercy of the universe. Mm -hmm. Unlike most businesses, probably August, you know, you can order your inventory and right. come straight to your front door. Right. There's more structure to it. Yeah. And, and you so, know what's coming in at what point, basically. Yeah. And mm-hmm. so with me, I'm literally at the mercy of the universe. Like mm. somebody from the past has decided they are moving to Greece. Right. And they're just selling all their cool stuff off or they <laughs> died or something. So that doesn't happen every day. So if I get a lead, which has happened at like 10 o'clock at night. Right. All of a sudden I'm driving to Whitewater. Right. Uh, hour and a half drive and I'm digging through stuff because it's not going to be there tomorrow morning. Mm-hmm. And I'm getting back at two in the morning. And right. so it gets pretty messy. I mean, I've walked into homes where I've had to wear rubber gloves and mm. um, those, heavy like, duty masks. Like those heavy duty, yeah, like yeah. the K97 type of things. Yep. yep. You know, where there's... Ugh, things I don't want to discuss your audience with that you have to go through to get to right. some of these good things. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. It's almost like being like, the way you said that, it's like a comparison of like a journalist even, you know, you catch a lead and right away you have to hop on it or at the end of the day, it might be gone in a moment's notice. So I think that's something I definitely want to touch on later. But right now mm-hmm. I would love to just learn more about your background here because again, kind of how we have this episode and most of these episodes structured is we do background then your current work and stuff like that it's kind of you know the general format but for you you kind of touched on you worked in the art gallery world for 15 years before you know you started rewind one thing i really wanted to ask about you is like not only your experiences with that but what are some like the biggest takeaways and lessons you've like garnered from that that you maybe use day to day or you might not use day to day now In terms of the art world? In terms of the art world. Yeah, I think things I noticed when I first got into the art world was like when I became part of the art world, (laughs) because I feel like growing up, there's this feeling of us and them. Like it it feels very intimidating, the art world or Mm -hmm. art galleries. Right. You know, you you see them from the outside, from the street. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And they, like I said, the suits and ties, the, the shininess, and it just seems intimidating to walk into. Yeah. So I know that's how I felt, but I always loved art. I always loved design since a kid. And so, you know, I would walk into galleries and no one would say even a hello. Right. And so when I got into that world, it was very important to make people feel welcomed mm-hmm. and make people not feel intimidating. Right. And so I know all the stuff, like the art history and the things that I can pull out of my toolbox if I need to talk to somebody that's, you know, wants that, that, mm-hmm. that wants to show off their, you know, PhD in some <laughs> obscure art movement. Like, right. I can do that. But, you know, 90% of the people that walk into the gallery, they're not really there to have a 
history lesson mm-hmm. in art. They're there to feel something, right. you know, and connect with something. And mm-hmm. so that was always important to me as when I was in the art world to make it not an intimidating place. Mm-hmm. And so I've carried that into Rewind. That was very important to me to have a place where it felt welcoming to right. all and just a place to express and to have a conversation and to be inspired. Mm-hmm. I mean, when I first started in the art world, uh, the second gallery I worked at, which was kind of a high-end gallery, I remember a guy coming in and he said, it must be really hard to be in this business because art's not a necessity. Mm. You know, like, it's not something right. people need. And I disagreed with that. I said, you know, in my opinion, if you look back to just the caveman, right? you know, I mean, I think as humans, we need... The cavemen were about as basic as it gets in terms of <laughs> yeah. needs. Right. And they still had art on their wall. Mm-hmm. Because I think the human experience is that experience to feel connected and to communicate and to express and to be inspired. And so I think art is one of the biggest necessities right. you know, in the world. And I think it's been hijacked in certain times in history by the bourgeois and the elite and so mm-hmm. us commoners we think what's not for us but that's a bunch of bullshit <laughs> and <laughs> yeah, uh, that's day, something i us. i fight against i really hope we can have more of that what's the word i'm looking for more of that perspective here in madison mm. so could you talk about your introduction to art i know we just talked about you know your time within the art galleries and what you learned and kind of what you took out of that, which is this sense of community and building that within people and allowing people to feel, basically. But for you, what was the introduction for you? What made you fall in love with the art world in general? Boy, I mean, that's the classic question. Is it something just in you? Right. Or is it somebody that opened a door or a window to Mm -hmm. you and you just kind of fell in love? Was it something to get girls to like you? (laughs) You know, there's all kinds of those questions and so my father was a creative guy even though I didn't I wasn't around him too much my mom's kind of a dreamer so I think maybe those influences I had an aunt she was the first one I saw really like really draw full time and mm-hmm. express some of her angst as a teenager <laughs> and getting that out with art and right. so I don't know what got me into art just a passion for just expression and creativity and mm-hmm. i don't know if that answered your question but no that definitely did i think a lot of people when i talk to them it's always about you know how do they get introduced to the industry they may be working in whether oh. it was just like out of need yeah out of desire out of you know just pure passion but yeah. again with you it's like having surrounded yourself with people that love it i well, think really does so now i kind of get your question is so in terms of how i got into the first gallery yeah yeah it was yeah, totally even... by accident oh really yeah it was actually <laughs> out of like a bad situation and, mm-hmm. and, and i've had enough of these life experiences where something really bad happens and some beauty is just birthed out of that right bad times and so i kind of was just an aimless early 20 year old and when i say that some other people looking in would be like well you were doing stuff you were just exploring and throwing mud against the walls and hoping something was sticking but Mm -hmm. i never really connected with any of these things i was doing to have a living to pay the bills right you know i was either waiting tables bartending i had an agent for a little bit there for a year where (laughs) i was doing bad b level movies and hosting (laughs) and tv shows and I didn't really connect with that, even though I thought, oh, that'd be cool, you know, just to be, be going into TV and acting and right. stuff. But I didn't really connect with that. 
And then what happened is when I was living in Hawaii, my girlfriend and I, at the time, we got robbed. Our house got, or I should say burglarized, while we were out seeing a movie, mm-hmm. gone for two hours. And one so, of your, one of your B-roll movies or just... <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> just like, <laughs> it was the premiere. <laughs> Red carpet, baby. No, um... So when we came back from that, our house was, you know, broken into and right. a bunch of stuff stolen. And we kind of lived in this part of Maui, uh, Kihei area, where it was kind of lush on the mm-hmm. edge of, you know, mango trees and stuff. And so it was kind of dark. And my girlfriend just didn't feel safe after that. Right. And so one of her girlfriends she worked at was losing a roommate in an apartment complex where, you know, you have tons of neighbors <laughs> right. and stuff. So she was like, why don't we move in with her? Why don't we move in with my coworker right. after the being, you know, us robbed? And so I said, okay, because it was important for me, for her to feel safe. And so we moved in. And so her coworker, who was a full-time cocktail waitress at this resort, also did part-time at this art gallery mm. in Lahaina. Lahaina actually, after like New York and Santa Fe at the time, was like the third largest art in terms of revenue per capita right, in right. the United States, you would never think about it. there'd be hundreds of galleries on Lahaina. Because Maui's like was, it was probably the biggest tourist island for the Japanese. Mm-hmm. And so Japanese would just come and buy tons of art. You know, blue chip pieces right. would be on there, like Warhols and stuff, but also like local artists. And mm-hmm. so she came home and I would pick her brain. Because I was like, <laughs> it was so fascinating talking to someone that worked at an art gallery. Right, like, what? right. You know, and so... She's and like, Morgan, Morgan, I was just bartending for eight hours. Please, yeah, yeah. just please, please leave me yeah, alone. Yeah, yeah. No, I would never do that to her on the bartending. But when she come back from the gallery, right, you would, you would I, I was just brain. like, what do you do during the mm-hmm. day? And, you know, it was just, it was this whole world that I had. Yet to explore. I had no idea mm-hmm. what it was about, but it was intriguing. And so one day she comes home and she's like, actually the owner, Sabrina, she's looking to hire someone part-time. And I was like, really? Oh. And so, you know, there's the little voices in your head that were like, well, why would they ever hire me? Like right. I have no experience. I have nothing on a CV that says <laughs> I can do this, Right, you know, but I've had enough life experiences where I just said, screw it. I'm just going to show up. Mm-hmm. And the worst they can say is, is no. no. And so that's what I did. I showed up and I think being open, I think people feel that mm-hmm. energy from you and that it's contagious. And so right. when they feel that in front of you, they're like, okay, I'll give this person a shot, shot. you know? And so that's what happened. Um, Sabrina gave me a shot and from day one. You know, I was 25 at that time. I knew that was something I could do for the rest of my life. Right. It was the coolest thing because, like, I had been walking around with this little albatross on my shoulders. Mm -hmm. What am I going to do for a career? I wasn't going to go to college. I wasn't going to do all the kind of traditional things because that didn't feel like a fit with my soul. So or my spirit. So anyways, it was just such a cool feeling to be like, oh my God, I found it. Right. You know? And I felt like that was something I could do for the rest of my life and mm-hmm. support a family and be passionate about it forever. And so, yeah, that was the first gallery. I worked there for a few months before we moved off the island mm-hmm. and actually moved back here wow. to Madison. Uh, after, after, after Maui. Really? Yeah. Okay. And so we moved back here for a summer and it was interesting because there wasn't many galleries in Madison. There was mm-hmm. maybe four. Yeah. And I went to all of them. And once again, like a lot of them, people didn't even say hi to me. Mm-hmm. And a couple were just like, yeah, we can't hire you. We barely, you know, have enough sales, you know, Support to pay ourselves. myself. Yeah. You know? <laughs> so, so ultimately, my girlfriend and I decided we had some mutual friends who had moved to San Diego and it sounded appealing. I had never been to California before. Right. And so we just made the drive out to San Diego and with no money. 
that was the thing. You know, sometimes you just got to take chances. Like when I moved to Maui, mm-hmm. I, I moved out there with 1500 bucks to my name. I didn't know anything about do. Maui. Yeah. I just was like, screw it. I'm going for it. Right. You know? And I think we fall into these trappings of things have to be a certain way. Like I have to save up a certain amount of mm-hmm. money before I can do this. And people survive around this planet right. all the time on nothing. Yeah. You know I mean? 90% of the rest of the world has less money than you, right? <laughs> you know, and, and people figure out a way mm-hmm. and people keep on living well into their eighties. So I just kind of threw caution in the wind when I moved to Maui because everyone is telling me I was crazy. They're like the cost of living in Maui. How are you going to do it? Right. 1500 bucks. And same thing when I left now, I had 15,000 <laughs> saved up. So not oh, too bad. Yeah. You, know? you so, what? Multiply that by yeah, 10 basically. Yeah. <laughs> but in that time, that summer that we moved back to Madison, I, I couldn't find a job. I really mm-hmm. wanted to stay in the art world. Right. And I couldn't find, so I was just living off that 15000 mm-hmm. And finally, I did take a waiter job at the Edgewater Hotel, but I was broke when right. I moved to San Diego. Like, I was broke. And I, when I got out there, I just decided, you know what, I'm not giving up on this art thing. Mm-hmm. I love the art galleries. And so I made a resume, and I went to 52 galleries Holy. and handed out resumes and only two called back <laughs> you know you know i was just like screw it like i said i'm gonna get rejected i know mm-hmm. that's part of the process going in it but i don't care mm-hmm. i'd rather go put for yourself it. out there yeah. yeah where did your knowledge come from we were just on a call just even like scheduling this and talking about this like your knowledge is really deep in the art world you know your history you know the love and appreciation that goes into different pieces like where did that come from? Did that just come from experience or is that just you being a sponge and just taking everything and as much in? I think, yeah, having an open heart mm-hmm. is a big thing. Having curiosity. Right. Not thinking you have it all figured out. You know the story. So, yes, there's the sponge aspect. But also when I got into those galleries, there's a lot of downtime <laughs> when you're in an art gallery. Like there's times where maybe nobody walks into the gallery for like four or five hours. Right. And so when I worked at that gallery in San Diego, I just immersed myself into whether they're art magazines, whether they were just research. It was cool because it's like, hey, I don't feel bad about doing this at work. Mm-hmm. I'm in the art world. Right. You're I learning figure, about art. Yeah. And I figure I'll deepen my knowledge. So But before all that, I think there's something just innate in someone where just having that passion for art is there. But yeah, just spending... Here's the thing, though. I talk to art heads and design heads, and they'll throw out a name to me. And they're like, how do you not know this artist? (laughs) Or how do you not know this designer? Right. And it's just endless. Even when you think you've learned everything. You've learned it all. There's just endless. And Mm -hmm. same thing, I can throw out an artist or a designer to them that... They've they never heard know. of. Yeah. And so it's like just holding on to that like passion and curiosity. So I actually, after about three, four years in the gallery world, I decided to go back to art school. Mm-hmm. Just purely went to school for arts. Right. Just, and I didn't need it Job to further my career. Yeah, right. Or better my financial own, situation. Like, yeah. I just for went back. Passion. I took art history classes, mm-hmm. like Learn you more. Know, prehistoric to Renaissance yeah. and, you know, the postmodern and thing. And it just, cause I was just curious and took, you know, freehand drawing classes and three-dimensional design mm-hmm. classes. And it was just purely for the love of it, for the love of it too. And luckily I think too, being in the art world for a while, I didn't have the resistance of maybe some art students. Cause I, I returned, you know, in my thirties, 
that some of these young bucks that are getting <laughs> in our world, when they get in art school, they're like, screw you, teacher. Like, right, right. you know, I'm not a machine. You're not going right. to keep me in this box and try to teach me this thing. And they want right. to show that, you know, they're original. But there is really something important about learning some of the basics. Mm-hmm. And I think every great artist throughout history has gone through unlearning what they've learned. Mm -hmm. I think to be a great artist, there's, you know, the learning of color theory and compositional balance. And you want that thing to become just like breathing or just innate where you're not really thinking about it. Mm -hmm. And so, but ultimately you want to get to that point where it's just, you know, making a mark for the sake of making a mark. And so I think entering art school, you know, there is that I'm not part of the system as a a lot of artists want to think we are just, you know, we're going to buck the system. Right. And hey, go for it, man. But I think ultimately, you know, you can learn a lot in the mundane Mm -hmm. of art school. Right. I think it's like the stew analogy here. If you want to create your own like different type of stew, you got to learn how to make stew at first before you even before you even throw in different ingredients. So that's a good way to put it. If I had one word to describe my conversation with Morgan, it would be captivating. His personal stories and anecdotes truly made this one that I'm grateful and excited that we could share with you all. What I loved about our interaction was Morgan's openness and his answers as he discussed his trajectory and perspective within the art world and his individual story. During my discussion with Morgan, we got to learn about his own individual story as he discusses leaving Madison and being a globetrotter and finding himself and what it means to be on this earth and live the life he wants to live. This allowed him to enjoy many experiences around the world and find his love for art and the true appreciation that he would find within the space. Through his own almost coming-of-age story, we discuss how he is at, quote-unquote, mercy of the universe. What makes that statement and Morgan very unique to the podcast and the greater community is itself in where we get to learn about this perspective of art and how it is a necessity of our lives and something that we truly need to live as humans. He exclaims how even the simplest of cavemen needed art to sustain themselves and build a sense of community. We shift our conversation to Morgan's venture into creating art and curating furniture and vintage with his shop Rewind Decor. What we discuss is the experience that Morgan wants to outline with the shop and how important it is for him to take his 15 years of experience within the art gallery world and change that with Rewind and the journey he went through to open his shop and the obstacles he faced. You know, before we get more into Rewind and your current role and what you're doing now, at the end of the day, you're kind of now in the line of work with nostalgia. I was able to talk to Single Stitch Mitch, who Mitch Hammes, who does Single Stitch Madison up on State Street. And we talked a lot about working with nostalgia, working in vintage at the end of the day. For you, you're really similar in that vein, but the way you do it is very different. The product that you sell is very different. The different type of nostalgia, again, at the end of the day, is different. For you, what is that like to be able to work in a line where people come in, see something, have them be reminded of a certain memory, reminded of a certain time period, and fall back in love with that? How is that for you? What is that experience like for you? Well, ultimately, I'm bringing in things that I love Mm because I first that's where it has to start. Right. Like I know there's things I could bring in that just would sell because mm-hmm. they based sell. on popularity, <laughs> based on yeah. like popular nostalgia. But yeah. If I'm not passionate about it, people feel that, you know, mm-hmm. and, um, and so it starts there, but it's funny because I have ran into a lot of people of a generation older than I, and they come in and I found out a lot of people who 
lived as a child through that period hate that period. Right. <laughs> so my mother's, you know, the mid-century period, the mid-century mm-hmm. modern period of the late 50s, early 60s, people that grew up as kids with that in their house, they end up kind of hating it. Right. It reminds them of like, oh, this is what my parents had. And they like more like back to late 1800s type mm-hmm. of stuff. You right. Know? And then maybe some people that grew up in the 80s aren't like into the 80s stuff because mm-hmm. they thought it was cheesy in the 80s when they grew up with it and they were more into the 70s, 70s and stuff. stuff. Right. Yeah. So it's funny to see people revisit their childhoods and that reaction to it. And it's also interesting. I've had this happen at the beginning of when I opened the store. It was a challenge in that people would come in and be like, oh, my God, like today's your lucky day. My grandfather died. And (laughs) it sounds kind of morbid. (laughs) I don't think that's how they said it. (laughs) In your head, maybe that's how they said it. But I think they were like, we have all this stuff of our grandfathers (laughs) that would be perfect in your store. Mm -hmm. And in the old days, I would just show up. I Mm -hmm. wouldn't ask for photos ahead of time. And so I'd go over there and I'd be like, wait what in the heck did they right. see in my store that they think I want any of this? Because right. you couldn't pay me to take this stuff, <laughs> you know? And what it is, is they would see one thing, one like thing. A, a Viewmaster, mm-hmm. like an old Viewmaster or something. And they would be like, oh, grandpa has a Viewmaster and just think I want everything. Like right. I, I curate very specific things. Mm-hmm. I like to mix periods too. I mean, I think Rewind's base is mid-century modern. Yeah, yeah. But I like to mix in other periods. Like Mm -hmm. I like that challenge of making it work. It's like any other art, you know, whether it's a book or a song or Mm -hmm. a movie that how many times have you been watching a movie or reading a book or even a song where it's going in a certain direction where you're like, okay, I know know where this is going. Yeah. And then all of a sudden out of nowhere, they do something like, whoa. Right. Yeah. Where did that come from? And they didn't do it just for the sake of a twist. It actually works. It takes you on a different journey Mm -hmm. that you're like, oh my gosh, like this is interesting. Right. You know, this is interesting. So like in terms of when I'm creating a space, there's a foundation, there's little signpost mm-hmm. that make it accessible for people. Mm-hmm. But then I like to throw in a little twist right. to make them look at things in a different way. But I like it to be a twist that works, not just a twist for the sake of for a the, twist. For the sake of the twist, yeah. yeah. So that's exciting for me, that challenge of to mix a certain era that you would never think would work mm-hmm. with this era. So. so how do you curate that then? How do you curate that feeling when you're digging through people's dead grandparents' stuff where you see something, you're like, I want to use this item or this piece of furniture as a twist in my store as a way to project this message maybe or Mm -hmm. provoke this feeling. How does that happen? How does that trigger in your head? With your stew analogy, what I'm doing at first is I'm just getting ingredients. Right. Like I don't really, it's not like I'm like, oh, I need this to complete this. Mm -hmm. Like I'm gathering a lot of ingredients for what I'm going to eventually create. And some I don't use, Mm -hmm. you know. I mean, we all, if you're truly taking risks in life, you're going to make some mistakes, (laughs) you know, and you're going to be like, ooh, that was a bad choice, you know? But, you know, I trust my heart enough. I've been doing it long enough that I trust my own voice. And I think when I'm specifically picking, if I'm over at someone's house Mm -hmm. or if I'm at a flea market or anywhere, I'm actually never looking. And this is curious because I've talked to other people that do this and I haven't heard anyone else describe it this way. But when I'm walking, I kind of create everything like a blur. I kind of create everything to be like an impressionist painting Mm -hmm. as I'm walking by it. And I'm only 
looking for certain shapes or certain colors. Right. I'm not walking by and like, okay, that's a jacket. That's a lamp. Right. This is some Chotsky. I'm not looking at individual items. I'm just quickly looking at everything like a impressionist painting and it's just seeing, seeing shapes and out. colors. And once an interesting shape or an interesting color pops and, out, uh, then I'm like, okay, what is that? And then you dive And into then it. I dive into, oh, this is okay. This is this or uh, nah, my, my eyes are, you know, <laughs> I'm hungover. So <laughs> my eyes are deceiving me today. But, you know, so that's kind of when I'm picking, I'm purposely just kind of looking for shapes and colors right that something are interesting that, right something that just catches your eye is that something that that's what you like at the end of the day where yeah. it's something that you can gravitate towards yeah and um, i have tons of people come into the store just like what in the hell do you see in this right right you know and i don't know <laughs> i don't know what i see in it but i just i had to have it you right know? and it's like something you have now what is i guess you know as we're slowly leading into rewind and everything with it what has been maybe your favorite and or least favorite thing that you found? Maybe something that you're like, I can't believe I've gotten to add this to my collection. Or maybe something that you said that you're like, man, why did I buy this? You know? Yeah. <laughs> Gosh, there's so many. So it's so hard to pinpoint. Yeah, to go back. But I can, in general, one thing I've tried to is not become attached mm -hmm. to any of this. Right. That's another thing I've found that I'm kind of rare in terms of individuals that do what I do is that I'm not really a hoarder. I'm actually kind of a minimalist. Right. So I don't really want to keep these things in my life long. I just want to be a conduit and have it pass to from like one interesting house to another. And so, you know, I am passionate about these things when I get them, but I, I try not to like attach to them, attach to them memories, too much. Emotional feelings. I mean, it? you know, I definitely have. That's the best part. I can remember more the individuals I bought from, or right. these like strange picking events, than the items themselves. And it's that interaction that kind of sticks with you, yeah. with them. And that's more important to me. And that probably comes from, you know, ever since I came out of the womb, I moved around every two years. Mm -hmm. So I think I kind of subconsciously try to travel light right and not attach myself to like oh this is the <laughs> most important because there's things i've worked really hard on getting yeah. to as part of the collection of rewind i've worked years mm -hmm. trying to get and so i've obviously meant something but at the same time like okay here it is you know everything in life's impermanent i'm impermanent i've got it and it's a great experience and i'll pass it on to someone else that can create stories with it but right yeah, I'm trying to think of, I'll come back to if I can think of something. You're asking if there was something specific that really jumped off. Even that, the way you're putting it now, you know, that kind of maybe makes me want to restructure that question where it's like, at the end of the day, what you, I feel like what I'm getting is that you love the people you interact with when you get to, you know, pick and curate a little bit more. So I guess the better question is, are there any specific people or stories that you have that you, when you're going out and picking from people's garages that you have in your heart and within you for the rest of your life even oh my gosh i become like some of these people's therapists really <laughs> you know what i mean the stories i get from people and the things they tell me like i've never shared this with anybody and right you know, it's really special and it's a challenging it's part of the business because it's it, there's only so many hours in the day for me mm -hmm. and i'm already extremely overwhelmed right but even when I tell myself I can't sit here and talk to someone four hours mm -hmm. uh, about this experience or this thing, I just do. Right. Because intellectually, I'm like, or not intellectually, responsible 
brain part of me is like, I can't do this, but I just, in my soul, I just have to hear these stories. I just have to, I have to learn more about this person, you know, and, and I'm excited to listen to it. And so I've been to so many houses that it's just so interesting, you know, from like a lawyer who's super, super, super minimalist that Mm -hmm. this Eames chair he bought eight months earlier at Century House for like $6,000 he no longer wants because he sat in it and it's embarrassing at his age. It's hard for him to get out of. Oh my God. Because really? it's so low. And so every, he's maybe sat in it like three times in eight months. And he's such a minimalist that if it doesn't serve a purpose in his house, he doesn't want it there. Wow. So he'd rather just take the loss and get it out of his house. Right. So cats like that to just people living in, you know, just wild squalor or people just super high on coke at like right. one in the morning that I'm over at their house and they're just like, uh, they're going to, I, I, they're from a the, million miles an hour. Yeah. Like from my hip ones, I had to videotape this guy for like seven straight minutes. He was just like in a coke rant. Just like and just talking like, about different things. Yeah. Like, well, he wanted to give me like some guitars that he bought back in the, he just said, oh, I'll just <laughs> give them to you, man. Like, you know, I just, I, I want people, he was an interesting guy, but I went over there to buy a really rare television from right. the seventies. <laughs> And that's what I was buying. And then he just went into these crazy rants. He was in the woods of Whitewater and he was just so coked up. So, (laughs) I mean, you meet some interesting cats, thank God, when you're doing this type of business. Right. And do you appreciate that? Oh. You love it? It's everything. Right. Do you find yourself being in the, not the business of art or furniture or like vintage even, but you're kind of in the business of people and stories and experiences experiences 100 yeah. like i've said this my store i'm not under the illusion that anyone's coming in my store to buy a lamp right or to buy a polaroid camera right nowadays with the internet you can literally buy anything vintage online just with a click of the button right. even it seems like amazon and walmart has like a vintage section or something <laughs> yeah, like it's so, so weird. weird so i'm not under the illusion that people are coming to rewind for that i feel people are coming to rewind for an experience. Mm-hmm. And that's even in my personal life, always what I've done really well at, right. like creating experiences. Cause that's what I'm passionate about. All this stuff, you know, I can't take with me, you know, mm-hmm. but I can take all those amazing experiences with me. And so and it goes back to, I want a place where the community can come in. I don't care if nobody ever buys a damn thing, honestly. <laughs> right. I can create a low overhead where I can, you know, I've started in my adult life from nothing five times over. I've lived in the gutters. I am okay and comfortable if that has to be. So, you know, it will happen because of your passion and Mm -hmm. because of your drive and commitment to such things. You'll have success. Mm -hmm. You know, it just... It's going to come with it. Yeah. If you have enough drive... Right. And you love and commitment what you do. to something and you love it. Yeah. It might not come right away, but right. eventually you'll just, those things to pay the bills will come with it. If I could give any advice to any young artist out there is not to sabotage your own success because mm-hmm. I've seen that a lot in my lifetime. I've ran with crowds that because they're so committed to the art and their craft, right. they're so angry about anything that is related to money with it, which Mm -hmm. I get part of that, but they sometimes sabotage their own movement forward. Mm -hmm. They're just so stuck in that anger of commerce and stuff, which I get can be gross sometimes, but it's also, you know, part of the world that's not going to go away. Right, right. Let's finally lead into it. I feel like we've been hinting at this for about 10 minutes or so, but, you know, let's talk about Rewind and kind of your journey with it and kind of the creative outlet it has 
garnered for you. So 15 years in the art gallery world, you were traveling all over the world for it. You come back to Madison and you open up Rewind on basically everyone's favorite neighborhood in Madison. I think Willow Street is the best neighborhood in Madison you could be. It's such a community-based space. Could you talk about your experience opening up the shop and maybe any obstacles you face with it or just your general journey with this entire thing? Yeah, absolutely. So once again, I never thought I'd move back to Wisconsin. Right. But once again, something tragic (laughs) <laughs> Some beauty was birthed out of right. that. I actually, the last art gallery I worked at was, out of all places, Las Vegas. <laughs> and it was in Caesar's Palace. Right. The gallery is only about 1,200 square feet, and the rent was $30,000 a month. After, I think, Rodeo Drive, the forum shops in Caesar's Palace are the second highest retail mm-hmm. per square foot. Mm-hmm. And so every, you know, Tom Ford, Louis, it's their flagship store. So the frontage of their windows are just incredible. Right. Their art pieces. They invest more in their stores there because it has more of an international audience than Mm -hmm. even Rodeo Drive. Mm -hmm. And so I would take trash out from the gallery and there would just be bonkers (laughs) level of like cool stuff at the trash bins because these businesses like Tom Ford, they're not in the business there's you know selling they're selling product they're meeting margins yeah. and so whatever's created for their window display right they're not going to try to sell that they're just throwing it away right so you'd find all these cool cool stuff so but back to i left well how i ended up here after the vegas i kind of was getting burnt out mm-hmm. and i was like i'm just gonna take a one-way flight from vegas to Panama City, Panama. Mm-hmm. I'm going to buy a motorcycle and just <laughs> ride all the way back through Central America to Vegas. So I put some stuff in a storage unit, flew down to Panama City, Panama. Didn't realize that, yes, you can buy a lot of motorcycles there because people coming south, they don't want to <laughs> cross the Darien Gap into the South America. So yep. they just sell it off. They don't want to drive it back or ship it off. So you can get cheap motorcycles, but there's like a three-month process in mm. getting the title into your name. Right. And I didn't want to stick around for like three months waiting for that. So I met this crazy Norwegian who had a 42 foot sailboat that was looking for crew and I had never sailed in my life. I still don't know starboard from star or whatever else. (laughs) I don't know how to tie a knot, but he was looking for some crew and he didn't have experience. So I hopped on a sailboat. Right. And long story short, I end up in Nicaragua and I'm loving it there in, in the city of Granada. And had this trajectory I was on, but then all of a sudden I got an email that one of my best friends from high school mm-hmm. back here, I did three out of four years of high school at Spring Green, and one of my best friends died. Mm-hmm. And so the mutual friend that was sending the email, they were like, hey, we all know you're on this trip. None of us expect you to be at the funeral, but we just want to at least let you know here's the dates for the funeral. And I did kind of struggle with, is it really important if I show up for his funeral? You mm-hmm. know, it's going to be a lot to get back there in time for the funeral. Transportation in some of these parts are pretty difficult. And so, but I ultimately decided, you know what, I'm going to go back for this funeral and then I can either fly back and start the trip again or just go back to Vegas. I didn't need to be in Vegas till October for Life is Beautiful Musical Festival. And so, (laughs) but when I got back after the funeral, I was seeing my grandmother for the first time, my grandmother that raised Mm me and my uh, grandfather had just passed the year before. And so she was 87 and she was living on her own. And I started thinking to myself, you know what? She was there for me when I was a young punk. Right. Maybe I could be around for her and her twilight. Mm-hmm. And it just occurred to me, I should move back here. Maybe now's the time. Right. But it was definitely, 
scary because I didn't feel like there was much of an art. I already tried that once mm-hmm. from moving to Hawaii between Hawaii and San Diego. Right. You know, getting into the art world, I didn't feel like there was enough maybe really patronage. And so, and my savings was dwindling, <laughs> you know, between the trip and the first four months just living in my grandma's basement. Yeah. Like, <laughs> it was just, okay, what am I going to do here? You mm-hmm. know, and the savings is going away. And so I've been collecting some strange vintage stuff, some mid-century stuff. Right. While in did those you take four any of the months. Tom Ford window displays? I know. Yeah. <laughs> oh, no, I did. I had not Tom Ford, but Tommy Bahamas out of all stuff. They really? created these wild vintage suitcases. Oh, so you just. They were super cool. And they were yeah. just in the trash bin. And, yeah, yeah. And, and you so just took them. I didn't even have a vehicle when I lived in Vegas, but I had a friend who just brought his truck and brought right. him over. And I brought all my stuff back from storage in Vegas. And I just started collecting like vintage for those four months. And there was an antique mall in mm-hmm. Madison called Odan Antique Mall. It's now called Atomic yeah, yeah, Madison. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Or it's different ownership, but most of the dealers are the same. And I just kept showing my face up there. And they're mm-hmm. like, yeah, basically... There's a hundred dealers in this mall and basically someone has to die for you to get in. You know, there's like a waiting list, you know, and I know how that works once again, just because if I'm 30th down on the waiting list, doesn't mean I have to wait for 30 people. Once again, you show up with an open heart, you show them. I also was showing them what I was collecting to like collect. Yeah. And it was different than anything else Mm -hmm. in the antique mall. Right. And the antique mall owner recognized that there's a new generation of people Mm -hmm housing or decorating their house. My cousin, for example, who works for Epic, she bought a new house with her husband. And if I told her, let's decorate your house in antiques, she'd be like, Ugh, I don't want to decorate my house in <laughs> antiques. But if I said, let's do it in vintage, right? you know, I'd be like, yeah, let's do that. That's, it's like a whole nother connotation with it, basically. Exactly. Yeah. So, and that's what most of the dealers in Odana Antique was when I first got in there. They mm-hmm. were antiques. Mm-hmm. There wasn't much mid-century. I think there was like three, four dealers. Right. Now you go into Atomic and half of them are all mid-century yeah, and stuff like that. So, but I showed up and just kept coming in with people that bought stuff. And finally, I get a phone call mid-May 2015 saying, hey, someone died. <laughs> Do you want their booth? You're like, and yeah. I was like, yeah, I'll jump on that, which was so good because I was in the middle of it was some absurd interview process to get a bartending job at the Springs golf course. Like <laughs> I thought they'd just give it to me when I walk in and they put me like through three interviews and one of my four references didn't answer the phone. So they needed a fourth reference. Thank God. Cause I got that phone call and I was like, all right, it's on. I'm, I'm doing this. So right. I, I got the booth and I got a warehouse down here to store stuff. So my grandma didn't have to, <laughs> <laughs> she could have her basement back. And I spent my last 500 bucks on a van mm-hmm. to move stuff around. Like I was, I was broke. When I got the keys to the warehouse, I remember walking back into the warehouse as the landlord left, not having a panic attack. Cause I don't know what that really is, but just a moment of, Oh my gosh, what have what I was, done? Yeah. This you is know, it. I just committed to this. Right. You know, I've got this warehouse and I have no money. <laughs> and I had all these big plans for this right. warehouse, like build out and everything. And I'm just like, okay. Your focus. Mm-hmm. Your job right now is not to create these epic experiences and a build out and something beautiful. Like mm-hmm. your job right now is just to create some revenue to eventually right. get there. So that first year I just kind of went at it and slowly started getting word out around the streets. I didn't have rewind yet mm-hmm. on Willie Street, but I knew I wanted that right. neighborhood. Right. Because that's the neighborhood. I wanted a yeah, I wanted a walking <laughs> neighborhood. Yep. 
And there's very few of those in mm-hmm. Madison. There's State Street, Monroe Street, and Willie Street, really, right. for a big walking street. Yeah. And Monroe Street wasn't my speed. State Streets is what it is. Yeah. It's... You know, and I like going down State Street occasionally, but I just, I wanted the vibe of Willie Street. Right. It's that community. It's yep. like that neighborhood, you know. Again, I remember my first time walking just down, and it's just a nice, and it's peaceful, and it's just like yeah. lovely, and it's what you'd want to take on a Sunday stroll. You know, yeah. that's like the street you want to walk on. And there's some occasional randomness. That's, right, there always like, okay. is. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what are we doing here? <laughs> yeah, so what happened is one of my favorite places to eat, Halong Bay, on Willie Street. Shout out Halong Bay. Yeah. Such a good <laughs> place out. to eat. I would walk for, they had a great lunch special for like mm-hmm. six ninety five. You got, it was as big as the proportion was oh, it for yeah. dinner, but it you also got crazy. a soup. And so I was able to get the lunch special mm-hmm. and have half of it for dinner. Yeah. You know, I'm being so broke, but I would walk by that block from Crystal Corner because my warehouse was just down the street from Crystal Corner to Halong Bay. And there was this space that a, a woman, an artist had a little tiny gallery. It was like 250 square feet right. where Rewind is now. And I, I'm the one that saw like literally the for rent sign getting put into the window. And I just thought to myself, like, I'm going to call. Right. You know, I really don't want to have a store because I don't want the commitment to mm-hmm. store hours and all this stuff. Right. But I'm just going to do it. And so I called up and the rent seemed like something I could afford mm-hmm. because it was only 250 square feet. Right. And I said, even if this is just an art project. Right. Like, remember, I don't know if you had it when you were growing up, but a teacher would give you a shoebox. Like over here, and yeah. you, was it called dioramas or something? Oh, right. You, you'd, you'd create, create your, your own, own little dude. world. Right. Like you would look through a hole in the end yep. of the shoebox, and you'd create this world. Right. I think you cut off the top and put tissue paper over the top. Yeah, so just the so light... it, yeah, so it wouldn't be like completely dark, dark in there. Yeah, 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 but you would have like, yeah. a little sheet over. Yeah. So I looked at it as even if it's just that people because right. it had one big great window mm-hmm. the store and i thought even if people are just walking by like what is this like even if it was just like an art project right almost like an installation even. yes you just like walk exactly. in and you look at it and you're exactly. like wow that was a great way to start yeah. my day even exactly mm-hmm. and so i was like screw it i'm just gonna at least do that right i just did friday saturday sundays when i first opened and i'm heard a lot of like whispers as people <laughs> were walking out but like how is this guy ever gonna survive because <laughs> it was tiny yeah absolutely. it was very tiny yeah. and i kept it because it was so tiny, very minimalist. Mm-hmm. So there wasn't a lot of things to buy. Right. You know, so people come in and they seem to like it, but they were just like, okay, what's this? You right. know, and so, but it got some traction. And people seemed to kind of dig it. And a year later, the neighbors mm-hmm. on the other side of the wall, they moved out. Mm-hmm. Actually, I got a little heads up they were moving out because I was friends with them. They're like, yeah, we're going to move out in about four months. And so I reached out to the landlord and I said, hey, would you mind? letting me rip a hole out of the wall and put some stairs. And is that where it goes into yeah, that different... Yeah, it goes into those back areas. Right. Because I had an idea where I wanted to create something that felt like you're walking into someone's badass house. Right. But, and that's what it does feel yeah. like, you know, the way that it's like, you know, sometimes the floor creaks a little bit yes. and you like walk exactly. and it's like, you're like looking at someone's like living room. Yeah, I like, wanted Whoa. to... F- I wanted that feeling, but where you could take any of it home. Right. Like any of it you could buy. Yeah, so absolutely. Even like what I use for displays for some of the Chotskys, the small mm-hmm. items, you can buy that stuff. Like, right. You know, you can buy the shelving units and stuff. Like I, I wanted that feeling. But with that, there was a challenge because you may come in and you're looking for a sofa and you're like, oh, it was a great sofa, but it was blue and I hate blue. Mm-hmm. But down at the warehouse, I would start having events where 
you could come and see, you know, there's three, four sofas down there and right. stuff. Because I didn't want the store to feel stacked with inventory. Mm-hmm. I wanted you to be able to come in, put a record on, play some Nintendo NES, right. you know, go through art books, just chill for hours if you wanted to. Yeah. Well, that's what's so great about it. You know, I remember my first time just walking into Rewind and it's like even something as subtle as the cash register not being or just like, you know, where you do check out. It's not really up front in front of your face you know it's like kind of almost like tucked away in a little like in the back area in the little corner and it's like you literally feel like you are just walking around and you're kind of in someone's home looking at pieces of their art and kind of allowing yourself to be immersed was that kind of the goal even just where does it feel like a shop it just feels just a place to hang yeah. out at for Once a little again, bit. I just wanted it to be an experience. Like, right. I just wanted people to, because one of the things when I moved back, I didn't see in 2015 a lot of stores like that in Madison. Mm-hmm. You know, I saw a lot of chains, uh, strip malls, like yep. destination places like that. And I didn't see a lot of, pl- I looked at it as like, I wanted to go on some dates and like, <laughs> I always like to make dates interesting, so I look for oddball places. Mm-hmm. There used to be a place called Afterlife Oddities and Antiques, mm-hmm. and it was this woman. It was right next to Ohio Tavern, and she had a really small space. I really wasn't interested in buying any of it, even right. though I found it all fascinating because it was religious icon stuff or whale penis bones or just <laughs> there was all this weird taxidermy stuff. Yeah. It was just an odd space. Right. And it wasn't the main course for the date, mm-hmm. but it was a fun little appetizer. Like, oh, let's stop in here and right. see this weird stuff. Mm-hmm. And it's just interesting. It's not the mundane everyday life of like, because I'm not going to take a date to, you know, I don't know, a <laughs> Any store on State Street that you right. can think of, I'm not going to go take a date to Urban Outfitters, you know. <laughs> like, know. but if you have something that's kind of weird and odd, I, I think that's fun. So, when I opened the store, that's kind of what I was going for, and there was definitely challenges. I think I heard quite often from people that. So I had the warehouse around the corner. And I was bringing a bunch of stuff out to the curb mm-hmm. to rearrange the warehouse. And this guy on a fixed gear bicycle came, <laughs> you know, rolling up with his tats and looked really cool and right. super hipster dude. And he's like, oh, is any is this stuff for free? You know, you're throwing it out. I was like, ah, I'm sorry. I wish it was free. But no, I'm just kind of moving stuff out right. to rearrange uh, for my store. Mm-hmm. He's like, oh, what's your store? And I'm like, oh, it's just around the corner. It's called The Rewind. And he's like, oh, yeah, I've seen that place. I go by it all the time. And I said to him, I was like, oh, you're one of those. And he's like, <laughs> what do you mean one of those? And I was like, well, just from your aesthetic – I can't imagine a more perfect store for you to experience to like come in and just chill with me and talk story. Right. But you all walk by. Right. And I don't get it. Like, right. And I realized what it was because he said, oh, it just looks expensive. Mm-hmm. And so it goes back to that intimidation factor right. I talked about earlier with the right. art galleries. They didn't, you didn't want that. He didn't want to come in and be intimidated or, right. or feel like, oh, this place is too expensive for me. So I think we kind of touched on it earlier. That's where I wanted a lot of entry points. Mm-hmm. Once again, I don't care if anybody ever buys anything, but you know, I have 140 some items under right. 10 bucks, Yeah, you know, but the challenge is, is I know how to make things look pretty. Mm-hmm. So when people see things that look pretty, they think, Oh, that's expensive. Right. You know? So how do you make it present where it's like, okay, I, le- I want to at least go in there. Maybe there is something more around my price range. Yeah, that was going to be my next question, which was about a lot about entry points with your shop. Because as we're talking about here and kind of like similar to our shop at August, you know, people will come in, they'll see the price of a t-shirt and they're like, oh, I can just go down to Urban Outfitters. Which at the end of the day, the Urban Outfitters t-shirt is the same 
maybe even this close to the same price but lower quality you know it's just mm-hmm. they have this establishment where it's like i can afford this yeah. but for us too it's kind of people kind of walk past it being like i can't afford anything so for you at the end of the day is a challenge like how do you kind of combat that a little bit how are ways that you're kind of like okay maybe if i do this this will change people's perception even a little bit that's a great point andrew and i think august has that same thing i challenge it looks so pretty right from outside yeah and it just the aesthetics is great and and it's a branding because here's the thing i've seen this happen firsthand because right across the street from my store is the St. Vinny's. Right. Yep. And so I've literally been in the St. Vinny's across the street, seen a stool mm-hmm. that's exactly like the stool I have out because I can put stuff on the sidewalk yep, yep. in front of my store. Exactly like the stool I have out front of my store for 15 bucks. Mm-hmm. I've got 15 bucks on this stool mm-hmm. out in front of my store. And the person seeing the same stool at St. Vinny's, right. it's $25. But I hear them like, oh, my God, this is such a good deal. Like, should we get it? It's like right. $25. Because what happens is there's a branding thing of when people walk into St. Vinny's, they have the expectation, that oh, it's, it's gonna all going to be deals. Right. It's all going to be deals. Mm-hmm. And so there's a perfect example where if they pick that same stool up, which was the exact same stool, and it was 15 they'd be like, uh, I don't know. It's like $15. I could probably get it for five bu- somewhere. Five bucks on you know? Facebook Marketplace. Because or... they're looking at my store and they're thinking, well, he, you know, he got it probably somewhere, right. obviously, for less than 15 So right. I, I can, can do that. For it, yeah. And so it, it's a branding issue and challenge of just people's expectations. Mm-hmm. And so that goes back to where I just want people, number one, to feel like they can come in and never feel like they have to buy anything. They just come and experience, leave. They can tell me, you know, I have plenty of people come in and tell me like about all the great deals they <laughs> fund, you know, and it's right. all good. Like, yeah. you know, God bless it. And there's so many paths for us all. And one thing I do that goes back to my art gallery days is we offer a layaway, mm-hmm. which is really important because I never want someone to fall in love with something right? and money be the reason they didn't get it. Yeah. So... I had that experience before I ever got in the art world with a girlfriend. We fell in love with this painting mm-hmm. and we were, you know, in our early twenties right. and it was like 950 bucks <laughs> and that might as well have been like $95,000. Right. Like, like how are you going to afford that yeah, in your how early twenties? 950 bucks, yeah. you know, but that night when we walked in, we were on a date and we went to this fancy restaurant mm-hmm. And we fell in love because there was something sentimental for both of us in it it, that it reminded of us, our grandparents. And so the consultant, which was really, the consultant was a really warm, personable person, Mm -hmm. didn't have any errors or stuff and just talked to us like humans, right? you know? And as he was talking and found out that we had a love for this piece, Mm -hmm. we had appreciation for it. We had space for it in our house. It was just money. Right. And so he's like, well, what did you spend on dinner tonight? And we spent like 150 bucks <laughs> on like this fancy dinner and right. bottle of wine or something, you yeah. know? And he's like, well, you know, we'd offer an interest-free layaway. Mm. And he's like, well, if you put 90 bucks down on this right now, mm-hmm. that's $90 for the next 12 months. Right. And once we started thinking about split between us, that was like only 45, 45 bucks, bucks a piece yeah. a month. And they're like, oh, yeah. Once you broke it down that way, mm-hmm. like, oh, yeah. Um, of course. We I'm could a... have this in our yeah, house. We absolutely. love it. Why not have it in our house? So when you break it down, like certain things can feel overwhelming all mm-hmm. at once. And what's nice, too, is what we offer at the stores. Let's say you're a year or six months into the year of paying something mm-hmm. and you just something changes and you've got $600 invested into it, you can move that towards something else. Right. 
So let's say you put $600 towards a sofa Mm -hmm. and you've changed your mind or something or you're moving into a smaller place and it won't fit. We won't just keep the money. We'll just, hey, put $600 towards something else right now. Right. And so I've had so many people in the store buy things that they never thought they would ever have in their life because they were able to break it down to like 100 bucks a month or something. It's Um, kind of just being able to perceive that in a different way and then have that appreciation for it still and be like, oh, yeah, this was something that I really do love and I want. And for me, being able to afford it in my own way is important. During our talk, it was great to hear Morgan open up about Rewind and the creativity he's looking for with the shop. The idea of creating an immersed experience is huge for Morgan and something unique in that he wants to create a space where it's comfortable for people to come in and explore rather than presenting it as a regular vintage furniture store and allow people to come and hang out and have a truly immersed experience. We delved into next what his future with the shop holds and where he imagines Rewind to take its course. From artist pop-ups to even warehouse sales, Morgan continues to be creative and utilize his platform for the greater Madison community. From talking about exhibits and the future of Rewind itself, we lead to what Morgan personally desires with his life and the goals he has for himself in the future. From talking about continuing to grow as a human to discussing ways in which he can be a guide for people and be a figure where people can continue to grow, Morgan's goals are as aspiring as his own journey. So that kind of like plays into kind of the community aspect that you play with it where, you know, Rewind at the end of the day is a community space within a community neighborhood within like a community city, in my opinion. So for you, like what are some other ways that you find yourself engaging with the Madison community and ways that you, you know, want to continue to do that? especially in the future. Well, with the store, we're kind of limited because of the space. Shout out, you know, to you guys. I like the events you guys create. Yeah. A lot of about art and community and shout out to Art Lit Lab, Communication, uh, American Feral. Those type of places I miss from other cities I lived in where you can go and you can just be around other creatives. Yeah. And it's not in a bar setting. It's mm-hmm. not in some loud music area. You can actually have a conversation. Conversations and, and it's it's not that it's a competition, but you're all feeding off of each other. And you're like, mm-hmm. oh my gosh, you know, Andrew's doing this thing over here. That's right. inspiring me to like do maybe this. up my game mm-hmm. and do something over here or gives me that it's not hopeless. So you know, I like to see more of those spaces. We had a warehouse on Baldwin that we had a great event when we were, you know, they were kicking us out. And I wanted to <laughs> start doing more of those, but then yeah. COVID hit. Yeah. But this new warehouse I got in October, I, I feel like I could, I'd much rather do more events like that. Right. Than anything about vintage furniture. I like to kind of return a little more to my art mm-hmm. roots and uh, have art events like that mm-hmm. again. So we still will do some things at the store. John and I, shout out to John, by the way, in terms of finding balance in what I do, because mm-hmm. it's pretty consuming. John has been a great help. a lifesaver. Yeah, because right. about four years ago, I just realized I can't do this by, yourself. by myself anymore. No. I was just getting burnt out. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, John worked at the greenhouse next door and just knew everything about plants. He knew the Latin <laughs> name for everything about plants. He could bring plants back to life. And and when I was shutting down, he's like, well, what are you doing for this month? And I said, well, I really need to bring somebody mm-hmm. on board to help me. Right. And he was like, you know what? I'm kind of I'm kind of interested in being See a part of that yeah. because, you know, I went to school for photography. Mm-hmm. I want to get 
back i want to tap back into my roots of art mm-hmm. you know i've been kind of in the plant world for a while and so it was a great fit because you know he's a pretty face and <laughs> that doesn't hurt uh for people coming in and wanting to stay and so that helped me have more balance mm-hmm. having him on board but we've talked about doing maybe pop-up events right on our porch because we have a porch on baldwin yep and we can bring in like different vintage mm-hmm. clothing dealers because we don't really do clothes. Yeah. So doing little pop-up events like on right. a weekend once a month. Yeah. Where like- People can come in. Yeah. There's so many people doing, especially during COVID. Yeah. People started having all these side hustles mm-hmm. from home where they just started an Instagram page. Right. And started doing either vintage furniture decor or mm-hmm. clothes. clothes. Yeah. And so giving them a, a, a boost, doing like a record event. Right. Like where we just have, like, we bring out thousands of records. And, mm-hmm. you know, most of them are like two bucks, but then <laughs> a bunch of others are right. curated, putting that on the porch, camera events. So those are some of the things I want to do on Willie Street. But I'd like to move more towards our new warehouse mm-hmm. and do, once again, uh, spaces that artists can come to, creative types can come to, yeah. and just communicate. You know, a lot of people listening might not realize. Most events at an art gallery, mm-hmm. 90% of the people showing up never buy a piece of art. Right. And that's totally fine with all of us gallery owners. Yeah. That's great that, that's... because it's the energy that's created mm-hmm. for the 10% of the people that are buying. Right. So once again, that's trying to eliminate these barriers in people's heads like, well, I'm not going to go to this Some... art gallery event because I'm not buying yeah, anything. Right. You know, it's it, 90% of people that go to art shows never buy a thing. It's just to go and have that experience and have yeah. that amazing feeling. Once again, to be inspired, right. to, to express yourself, mm-hmm. to communicate. And so that's so important to me. One of the things that's a blessing for as much as I've kind of come to despise the internet <laughs> lately <laughs> is I've used that stores Instagram for promoting artists that right. I have no commercial or financial attachment to. Yeah. I just like, like what, I they're, like what doing. they're doing. I, mm-hmm. I want to throw that out there. And it's been really fun to see a lot of artists mm-hmm. that I know from when they were just starting out. I go over and I drop off a mid-century modern dresser and I see their whole garage doors painted by this artist right. that you know I promoted you know five years ago. Mm-hmm. And so that's, you know, once again, I really don't give a damn about the money. Yeah. You know, I got to pay for bills. But yeah. My goal isn't to sip my ties on the beach. Mm-hmm. I've already done that in, <laughs> in my youth broke. So I just want fucking people to create mm-hmm. and live with passion and love and just not feel so confined by maybe tradition, mm-hmm. you know, in this city. So, yeah. Wow. Damn, that's a great way to like as we like start to wrap up here because then my next question was going to be as you kind of talk about what you want to use that warehouse space for being able to present people different avenues of art and experiences. My question was really going to be with Rewind being kind of a Madison staple for the past seven years. Like what are some goals for the upcoming year, even the upcoming few years? What is that going to look like? You know, you touched on that a little bit more, but are there any other things that you haven't really discussed yet? Yeah, I don't know if I should throw this out here, but, you know, I'm kind of feeling like maybe this world's a young man's or lady, a single person's lifestyle because, once again, I'm at the mercy of the universe. Mm -hmm. So, with the business of vintage, it's just chaos. And so, you just have to, like, unless you have a partner that's also in it, you just, it's not really a great career if you want to have a family. Mm Mm-hmm. 
Because, you know, leaving your kids at 11 o'clock at night or your wife right. to go get some stupid <laughs> TV from a crack, not a cokehead, like In white water. It's, it's fun now yeah. but when I'm single, but I'm kind of feeling the urge to start a family. Mm-hmm. And so with that, I realize the vintage world might have to take a back seat a bit. There will always be some iteration of yeah, Rewind, absolutely. but I'm thinking of moving more towards the art because mm-hmm. it's much easier to do an art gallery. Right. Then because, you know, I can talk to the artist and say, hey, in, mm-hmm. in January I have twenty five paintings ready. Right. And you know, he brings them to the gallery. He helps me yeah. hang them. I don't have to completely restore the item and stuff. Absolutely. There's just so less amount of there's just so much extra time when you have an art gallery compared to the vintage business. Right. Right. So I want to use whatever I can with the warehouse because unfortunately too they're trying to sell that building as long as i can i want to give platforms to the newbies the young bucks that are coming up you know i want to give because there's so much effing talent in this city but there's not really avenues for people to be able to present that yeah there's not really Mm -hmm. spaces you know i mean a big part of like a lot of the cities i've lived in there's all these you know warehouse districts where mm-hmm. rents were just dirt cheap yeah. and you could just do cool stuff yeah. the cost of space here in madison is so high mm-hmm. that it's hard to do those spaces and have places for those artists i mean like i said communications doing a great job you're doing a great job art lid lab american feral but i like to see more right and more diverse like mm-hmm. you know i mean so if you know, you can just try different things on. Mm-hmm. You can put different skins on, and it's not just all the same. Yeah. There's, you know, diversity and and thought and experiences, and so and to catapult from there. So I like to use the space for maybe hopefully somebody hears this out here of collaborating. Yeah. I like to do a lot more collaboration because mm-hmm. I like to kind of step back into the you know behind the curtain or. Right into the shadows, you know, (laughs) so I could maybe enter the next phase of my life. Mm -hmm. And then what does that look like for you? You know, just personal goals for yourself. Like you're at the mercy of the universe. You know, what are some goals for Morgan Miller? Yeah. Well, that's it. I've been so damn blessed. I feel like I've lived seven different lives. Yeah. You know, I met such wonderful souls that have opened their hearts to me. And there's been a lot of times where it's been dark and I didn't know if the light would ever shine again. And and that's even been in recent times, but I'm good. If you talk to the 16-year-old me mm-hmm. back at Spring Green High School, <laughs> yeah. you know, and I told that kid even a tenth of what one you... of the things I've done and right. seen, I would have thought, you're crazy, man. Yeah. There's just no way that's available to me, right? you know? So I'm lucky. If 15 years ago you told me I was going to die in six months, I would be like, I don't want to die. Like, there's so much I want to do. There's right. so much I want to see. And 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 I'll always have that in me where I want to see stuff. But I'm, I'm at peace now. Mm-hmm. Like, if that did happen, I don't have a death wish. But I think what would change all that is if I really think why I was put on this earth is to guide, mm-hmm. to be someone there that can hold someone's hand through rough periods and stuff. So like having kids, you know, I even recently, I go to this place now, you were talking about finding balance. I go to this place now where there's no internet. Yeah. Yep. It's in a dead zone. Mm -hmm. And I purposely haven't gotten internet for the house. So when I'm landline. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And so there's a lot of time to think. And I, it occurred to me, what if I started an orphanage? What can I best spend my time on where I can affect right. the most souls unselfishly? And, mm-hmm. and so 
because there's so many people in my past that who've just like unselfishly have given. Yeah. And it's not that I feel obligated, but I just earnestly feel like I'd like to just pass on mm-hmm. some things to others to make their path more accessible. Right. Kind of and, like so many people gave for you. Now it's yeah. your turn to give yeah. to people. I'm kind of the elder statesman now. <laughs> I'm the one that I always kind of never wanted to be. You know, I like, you know, always wanted to be the cool young young guy. You but know? now that you are, are you appreciative of like the journey it has taken you to lead you up to this point now and the state you are in now? Yeah. Yeah? I, I mean, it's, uh, that's allowed me to be at peace. If I ever do have kids or get mm-hmm. married, I'll be 100% present in that. Right. Yeah. Because I won't be wishing, oh, I, I wish I Did climbed this. up to Mount Everest yeah. Base Camp, or I wish I ran with the bulls. Right. Or, like I sailed been, with the guy from yeah, Norway. Yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, I've I, that's I've done. Yeah. And so I want to be a hundred percent with that family and and be with that wife. So it and life will never be boring with me. It's just like not <laughs> in me. Like there's that great quote that David Bowie said to Amon that you know I don't know what the future mm-hmm. is going to be, but I guarantee it won't be boring. Right. So. Yeah, that's kind of where I'm at. And so, but unless my wife wants me to relocate, <laughs> which I don't have a wife, <laughs> but if my future wife wants me to relocate, that's the only way I'll probably leave Wisconsin. I think mm-hmm. I am rooted here Back for the rest roots. of my life. Mm-hmm. Um, so in this area, uh, in the surrounding area. So I hope to whatever I can to help the creative scene in Madison. I would love to give whatever energy I have left. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, so I'm here as long as, like I said, the wife doesn't want me to relocate. <laughs> well, thank you so much for your yeah. time. I seriously appreciate it. Yeah, it was nice uh, meeting you. In yeah, person. it was great to talk you're to great you. great at doing this, but Oh, way. you're just... great at what you do and you gave such great answers. I really do appreciate it. But one thing I have to last a little bit is... Where can the people find you? You know, yep. shout out Rewind, yep. anything that you want. The floor is completely yours now. Thank you, Andrew. And I generally have listened to some of your other podcasts and it's it's really fun. You have a great voice. Thank you. Very warm and <laughs> very engaging. And thank you for this time. You can find us on Willie Street. We're on 1336. It's directly across from St. Vinny's parking lot. Mm-hmm. If you gassed your car as you were driving out, <laughs> you'd smash right through our front window. So <laughs> please don't do that though. So we're there. We have a warehouse at 1902 mm-hmm. East Johnson that we're trying to open up at least once a month and do events at. And so we have two Instagram pages. One is Rewind Decor, no dots, no dashes, just those 11 letters for the store. And then we have another one for the warehouse, Rewind mm-hmm. Decor Warehouse. And that one, what I'm trying to get towards is literally post every single item that's in mm. the warehouse. Right. Because sometimes people get, I, I know, get frustrated because they're like, what's all this stuff in the warehouse? I right. want it, you know, yeah. I need stuff. So my goal is, and I'm working toward is have every single item that's in the warehouse posted with price, mm-hmm. dimensions, everything you need to know. So from the comfort of your own home, you can, you can just scroll through. And when those items are sold, I delete them right. off of the warehouse Instagram, not the main page. I leave those up there. But I think we have a Facebook page, but I don't know. <laughs> I, I can't go on that thing. It's such an insult to my design sensibilities. Like, So if please, if you're trying to get a hold of us through Facebook, come to Instagram. Yeah, yeah no TikTok, no Twitter. What's the new one? Thread? Threads. No one's on Threads. Yeah. I think it had the largest dip. Oh, really? In like users. Okay. So, I, like, 
it skyrocketed as the fastest growing like you know social media platform being to first like a million or something like that users and then after a week or so it just completely crashed so i don't think anyone's using it yeah yeah well good to know <laughs> so you don't have i to, won't have to start an you account. don't have to start another yeah, yeah. one yeah as much as it's a beautiful thing social media sometimes i think we you all need get a break away. yeah you definitely we need, get away. we need a break so hey it was so nice meeting you yeah and if we can do so this much. again too Absolutely. maybe um, See do some event, maybe a, a podcast. Uh, yeah, at the an August rewind thing. Warehouse, warehouse. Or yeah, you know, let's do, get something let's, going. There's no uh, limitations. Let's get creative. All right, thank you so hey, much, man. Final words: Be kind. Nice. Please rewind. <laughs> oh, that was good. All right, thank you so much. Thank you for tuning into today's episode. Once again, I'm your host Andrew, and I want to thank Morgan for taking the time to speak with me today, and to Sam Walner for creating the music you heard on today's episode. This episode was about a journeyman and how you can find your own passion and love no matter what it is. So if you know anyone looking to learn more about someone's journey and finding themselves, share with them this episode. You can find me and the shop on Instagram at Andrew Inamoto and at underscore August shop. And find August located on 414 State Street, Madison, Wisconsin or on august-shop.com. Once again, thank you for listening to the August Forum. <laughs>